0: Good morning. My name is Shirley, and I am an alcoholic. My sobriety baby is July 29th, 1982. All right. Let me tell you, when I've been sober two years, and I got the first time I said it, you know, when I spoke, I said, I have never been 10 in anything. And I won't ever be 10 in anything again, dress or whatever, but I'm really grateful to be 11. He's telling me. not you know. Oh, I'm not where I need to be, and I thank Alcoholics Anonymous for being this for me. This has been stupid. Guys, this is your first roundup, and let me tell you, community, you have done one heck of a job. I think everything has been great. If this is any indication, I want to come back. I tell you, I have never felt so loved and so welcomed and so it. I mean, y'all just done a beautiful God. Everything. I don't know of anything that you could have done that would have made it any better. You thought of everything, and I thank the committee for that. Uh, I know all the speakers on the podium except for Diane, and I got to meet her this morning. And and I, the only thing we didn't have a raffle, and I always say if I don't win anything from a raffle, I'll take home one of the speakers. <laughs> so I'm gonna take home one of the speakers with me this weekend. Uh, and if you like, you can hear with Beverly. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I have to say it because he goes up to me in the district first. Uh, but I want all of you to meet my driver. He drove me to drinking, he drove me to treatment, and now he drives you to all these conventions over there in the side. So, would you stand up? Keep my little Alan on. <laughs> Tells me now that if I will behave until next April the 30th, okay, we will celebrate 30 years of
1: marriage.
0: I don't remember all of those years. He does every single
1: one
0: of them. <laughs> I, I'm really glad to be here. I need to get over with this and get on with the rest of it. But we are some special friends to achieve it. But I look forward to seeing every time we get a chance to meet. The next and Joe, and I love you for being here for me this morning. Thank you. Uh, okay, so the big book says I share with you what I look like, what happened, and what I'm like now. And that's what I want to do in the next few minutes. So, I'm the oldest of three children. I have a brother that's four years older than I am. He is nine out of I have a sister eight years younger than I am. He is somewhere right now in Tennessee working on his children. And there are a lot of people praying for this little girl. I was 38 years old when I found this program. And there are a lot of people out there praying for my little sister. And I think it would really be neat to walk into an AA meeting that night and run right into her. And you know, that's the miracle of this program. You never know when you're going to run into somebody that you've been praying for all these years. The day I graduated from elementary school, my parents signed a divorce paper. And we thought we got the problem out of the house. Um, my mom announced that we were going to move in with my grandmother and granddaddy, and it just took on me best because, you see, I'm no grandchild, and I was full rotten. And if and when I ever have grandchildren, they will be full rotten. I'm here to announce it from the podium. <laughs> oh, but I just thought I'd be all I see. My grandmother made all my clothes for me, and uh, I never treated it until I got into alcoholics anonymous. I never wore the same outfit twice, I don't think, in, in a couple of weeks, because she'd sit by the fire at night and make me dress as wear to Uh I started the high school in September of that year. I had a whole new set of friends. I lived in a different neighborhood. And you know, for some reason, I just knew I was going to be okay. My grandmother took me to Sunday school with her every Sunday morning, and every Sunday night, and my went nights. And... And this lady was going to teach me how to be a lady. This lady was going to lady. Lady was gonna teach Shirley how to be a little girl and a, and a young lady and be right. And, and I just loved her best. The first Christmas we had at my grandparent's home I was 14. And it was just 55 Christmas I ever had. My daddy didn't fall on Christmas tree. My daddy didn't come home drunk or either not come home at all. And Oh, there were so many presents. I, I honestly believe that had to be the best Christmas I've ever had. I've had a lot of good ones. That's got to be the best. In January, right after Christmas, my granny suddenly became ill. And by the end of January, this old lady with age of 50 was the to die of cancer. And I was not to understand that. I don't even understand it to this day. And see, this was the lady that was going to teach me some things. My mom, you know, she had the younger two children. And my sister had polio when she was three years old. And for the next 11 years, she has had major operations that would Can I take up all my mom's time. He was getting ready to go into the hospital for surgery or coming out. Um, I didn't understand why yeah, my granny died. I knew why my daddy was no longer around, but please, somebody, why did my granny have to die? I just didn't understand it. And being a parent today, I know that my granddaddy sat my mom down in the kitchen at the table and said, Louise, if you're going to live in my home, with three you need to get a job, honey. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom had never had a job. My mom had never had to go to work and I know today I might get a little bit in, little independent from her. <laughs> but she said, Well if I've got to get a job, Dad, I'll just move out and we did. We just mom got a job working three to eleven and found us a little two bedroom apartment and my mom worked the night shift and we switched roads. I became a mother, she became a daughter. Simply because when she came in from work at night we were always in bed asleep. When we got up in bed asleep the next morning, she was in bed for a long time we saw her was on And see, I'd come straight home to school, and I was in high school then, and I'd come straight home to school to make sure that David and Bill had their homework and had the bath and had dinner, and they got in bed. And I never thought about it any other way. I just knew my mom depended on me to do be that. I never gave it a second father. And, and dating was not an issue because, you know, I had lunch with the girls at school, but I was fourteen, fifteen years old, and, and I just had so many other things on my mind. I, dating was just not something that we talked about all the time until one day one girlfriend said, "Charlie, I have a double date with a couple of fellas from Vesmer. I lived in Birmingham, which was back then, and my daughter said, did they have paved roads? <laughs> uh, they did, no interstates, but uh, it was about an hour's drive, and she said, do you think your mom would let you go out on this double date with me? Saturday of and I said, well, I asked her. And so I remember saying, Mom, would it be okay if I go out on a blind date with Margaret? And she said, Shirley, nothing ever happens on a blind date. Well, he talks at 2 o'clock at that night. <laughs> Tell me nothing ever happens on a blind date. My mom said to me, now, Shirley, when he walks you to the door, do not kiss me. Good girls, do not kiss on the first date. I thought, that's weird. Uh, my cousin was 10 o'clock. And our days started to age. No wonder no one ever got in trouble back then. He never had time. And uh, he walked me to the door and he tried to kiss me. But I remember what my mother said. And I didn't let him kiss me. And I walked in the door and closed it, and my mom was ironing. And she said, Well, how'd you go? Did you kiss him? I said, No, ma'am. She said, What are you bothering about? I said, Well, then why couldn't I kiss him? (laughs) Well, the next afternoon, he called me. This was Sunday, and uh, he had gone to church that morning, and, and after dinner, he called me and asked me for another date on Sunday night. And this is an on his and, and I have to tell you this. And he picked me up, I let him kiss me before we got to be drive yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: And he's been kissing me ever since. Oh, we dated for five years, you know, and... Uh, during the time, his parents divorced, and here we were, two young kids, madly in love, and both of us from divorced families, and, and we made a lot of, we had a lot of discussions on if we got married and had kids, you know, we wanted it to be for good, because we didn't want our kids to to be raised in a divorced home like we were. And I remember uh, when we said we were not ever divorced, that we would not have any alcohol in our home, and that had to come from me, you see, because I'm from an alcohol home. My daddy still drinks today. Uh, I don't know if he's an alcoholic or not, but it's not really good. But I know this going to mess up a lot of things in my life. But but anyway, when we got serious, and, and I finally got the ring, you know, I want to make sure I had the ring, <laughs> I called my daddy. I had not seen this man since the divorce papers were signed the day I graduated from elementary school. My daddy was not the kind of man who thought about child support, alimony. My daddy never bought me a birthday present. My daddy has never bought me a birthday present. I'm 49 years old. My daddy has never remembered me at Christmas. But the first thing I thought of was that man stopped to walk me down the aisle. That's the way this marriage was take. I had read all the bride's books. I had read all this stuff that says the girl walks down the aisle in a long white dress and a veil. And her daddy is walking her down the aisle and when they leave the church they throw this wife all over and they live happily arrested. And I wanted that. So I called my daddy. And he answered the phone. His telephone and his number was in the telephone book. I called him. I should have known when he answered. He had that slur about his nature. But that mean that I didn't know any humans would have anything but the slur. And I said, Dad, this is so. I'm getting married on April 30th. And you come and give me away. Why, sure, I will. <laughs> and you know, I believed
1: him.
0: I believed him one more time. I believed him. And so we were at the church on April the 30th, 1964, waiting for that moment. And all the candles had been lit. Everybody was ready for this guy to walk down the aisle. And My mom was standing at the back of the church with me, and I know her eyes looked at me and said, you he's not find it. Shirley, why did you once more believe this man? She'd better have a drink than have anything to do with his and I wanted to look at her and say, but now he's promised this time. And about that time, someone said, man, somebody's just pulled up on the sidewalk. And I said, who's here? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: and he was. He pulled up on the sidewalk. Why, wouldn't he be nervous if you were about to give away a daughter young in in six years? Well, he walked in the back door to that church. He had that mantle glow on him. But I grew up and woke up to many men. He no longer had those pretty brown eyes that he gave me. There oh, really. was, and my daddy could only looked at me, ready to walk down that aisle for the man of my dreams. And he turned me like that. And my mom just almost cried. <laughs> she said, "Not anymore." And my little brother, <laughs> baby. Came over to me and he like, said, "Come on, pull that veil down over your face. I'll walk you down the aisle. I've been trying to get rid of you for years." <laughs> and my brother to this day won't pay it for this marriage. <laughs> it's been almost thirty years, and I let him. I let him. Uh, well, when we left the church, we left the church for our honeymoon. You know, I was crying, and all the teachers, everybody said, You teachers, so happy to I was crying because my daddy once not ever have a drink. and have anything to do with me. And I told Bill in the car I said, Well, I'm not ever have alcohol in my home. And that was my That was my mistake. You know, that was my decision. But you say he had no reason to say anything about alcohol. He didn't live in it know, uh, we had a real good job, and, and we had a lot of things we wanted to accomplish together. We had a lot of goals that we wanted to set together, and uh, and here we were starting out on something called the Great American Dream. And we knew we were going to be okay because we loved each other. And let me say this that all through this disease really called alcoholism, and throughout so, uh, all this that we've been through, the one thing that we been strong is in love. And there's been a lot of times. When that little pilot life was the only thing that took me, like on a death's day, the eyes were narrowing, and we were not going nowhere, but we never left that way. And when we were able to get to new people, to my alcoholic anomalies, and I was alone in my home, and today day that show was lighter and stronger than ours. And I'm grateful that that little kid will never win out. And the one thing that's given me is September 19th of May. Oh, we left and we went on this honeymoon and we had a lot of things we wanted to do and the first thing we wanted to do was save up enough money for our house. And we did, we did, real good. Uh, the first year we were married, before our first anniversary, we paid, paid up enough and, and paid down on the down payment on the home and he was home. And We were one kid. That was our next day. And on our second wedding anniversary, no kids. And on our third wedding anniversary, no kids. But I got a beautiful, cute for one anniversary present. And I thought I was hot stuff. You know, I just, I went to work every morning thinking, now this can't be bad at all. <laughs> and one day on the way home from work, a man hit me. Just busted my little bubble. didn't do any damage to the car. He took a straight one side of it. And I and, uh, got home and showed Bo the damage. And he said, well, you need to go to the doctor. And I said, well, I'm fine. He said, I know, but it's got me in front. And a couple of months down the road, you don't want to visualize it. So I said, okay, I'll go to Washington. So the next morning, I go to this shop, and he steps me over from here to here. And I feel fine. And when he's examining me, he's examining me. he surely start a get there to go in my office. I'll be in the community and I want not talk to you. And I said, he's fine, come from with me. So I get dressed and I go in his office and I fill up my chair in front of his desk. And a couple of minutes later, he walks in and he doesn't go around and sit on the other side of the desk. He pulls up a chair right beside me and taps me on my knee. And he says, Shirley, you're two months pregnant." And I said, "Hold the ring." <laughs> Maybe that's why I didn't have any kids
1: before
0: him. And well, the first thing I thought, I can't tell Bo. Is that insanity or what? And the doctor said, get him on the phone. I'll tell him. So I get him on the phone. And that time, Bo works in the parts department before a do the And you know, I found out that's like an AA meeting today. It said, we're all these fellas and gals stand around have a cup of coffee in her hand and tell jokes. telling jokes and showing few parts, I'm sure, but I just I handed the phone to the doctor when I got Bo on the phone and the doctor said, Bo, I have Shirley in my office and she's too much pregnant and you could hear Bo. Come on
1: <laughs>
0: I was very naive. <laughs> Well, that little wretch's name was Mike, and he was born November the 10th, 1967, last Wednesday, And then I had another wretch, and her name was Susie, and she was born 17 months later, and she's a brown-headed, brown-eyed dog. And I want to tell you about Susie right now, because I don't really do anything I like her. She's 24 years old today, and I have actually raised my daughter. My daughter was 13 years old. My son was 16 when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. I had taken away all of their growing years. This is good. It was it my grandma. And my little girl started in the team. And she stayed until she was 10. Then our mom adopted her. My daughter, for some crazy reason, sitting here in high her school, said, Mom, I want to go to college. I drank up college. I drank up the home. I don't have to do But my old girl said, Mom, I want to go to college. I want to work with alcoholics and drug addicts. So she applied to this little college about 40 miles from our home in State Cemetery. And she graduated December a year ago, and she is now just supporting through her own contributions, and we love it. Oh. She is a counselor at the uh, Walter Regional Hospital in Jackson, and she has 11 years of this country. And I thank all of for raising that old girl. I thank all of for making her speech the girl that she is. She is one dynamite young lady. She just recently moved back home. Her car was stolen from in front of her apartment. it's clear she Mom, can I come back home? I said, I've been praying for you to come back home for the longest. <laughs> so we have her back home, and I love her. I've got a relationship with that young lady today that I never had with my mom. And I thank her for her at for that. Okay, we had Mike and we had Susie. We had one boy, we had one girl. That's all the variety they had, so we didn't have any more. <laughs> and when Susie was six months old, in order to fulfill this great American dream, she takes take that. So I went back, work. Yeah. After I found this little lady, she would love and worship my teaching and she did. Mama did it, that is my kid. Um, I went back to work, and one day at lunch, a girl asked me if I'd like to join a social sorority, and I thought, Well, you know, I have come around. In school, I never could face for pep rallies or go to football games or join sororities. And now I've got my family, I've got my job. Now these girls want me to join a sorority. That's about it. So I'm joining. And at one of these parties down the Warrior River, not too far from my home in Houston, on a Saturday night, Mike and Susie at home with a babysitter, and old Bo and I go to this party. And uh, the band is playing music, and, and the moon's reflecting over the Warrior River. Open bar, and my husband walks up to a man in a palm I am an alcoholic who remembers the first drink and I'm an alcoholic who remembers the last. Let didn't you about my first. It was in a real tall glass, it had pink colored water in it, it had a two stick across the top, it had an orange drink, a of cherry, and a pineapple. In the bottom of this glass was an umbrella. And I swallowed umbrella. And, and I was never to do the same. Anymore. I changed from that first drink. You know, when I went into treatment, they told me that alcohol was a depressant. And I lied. I told them, I said, you're lying to me. It's giving me energy for years, And it did until it quit working. Um, I am an alcoholic who drinks wine. All you guys out there who drink wine are wine. And I consider myself a whinette. <laughs> I thought it was ready like to drink wine. Now, I drank in my kitchen on 28th Avenue Hilltown. Every afternoon after work, I never went to bars. I never ran. I never had a D.U.I. I've never been in jail. Man, I have written some bad (laughs) shit. But I drank in my little kitchen from 4.31 until whatever time I passed out. And then I'd go stand out the cover and go bed. It didn't matter who to say, the preacher, the mother-in-law. The infant man, no what it And time to go to bed. I went to bed. Uh, but you know what? My bottom for me was just as bad as if I'd done everything that every woman was trying to do in this statement. And I hit my bottom, I hit an ear there, and go there. Um, you know, I can remember keeping my wine in a real pretty plastic counter on the left side of the refrigerator. And uh, I found out not to just recently the Kool Aid is coming out with a new flavor. It's called Pickle Pink. That's what I drank. Bean's farm. Pickle Pink. <laughs> and my kids love strawberry Kool Aid, so I kept their Kool Aid in a white Tupperware pitcher on the right side of the refrigerator. Now I was real quick to tell my and said, your Kool Aid is on the right side. Mom's Kool Aid is on the left." And let me tell you the smallest scar that my grandson put on my little girl. She didn't touch Kool late, though. She didn't touch it. And she goes anywhere, and they have a container of Kool Aid, but they now have water. And that's the smallest scar that my can put on my little girl. Um, you know, I drunk in my kitchen, and, and I would start dinner and I'd get in from work, and a lot of times, she would be empty. Then I changed roles with my mom. For totally different reasons, but there came a time when my little girl and I switched raised, and I'm not proud of her. My little girl is left-handed, and I can't tell you the times I would open up the linen closet, and because she's left-handed, this palace wouldn't be folded the way I ended them, and I'd on my own. That's good. She would blow the beef and She wouldn't put the plates and touch, just like I saw they should be sick. And I'd tell her, she couldn't do it right. Don't do it. My little girl was tucking me in bed at night instead of me tucking her in bed. And I'm not tired about that. I don't know when my little boy children, when started being locked. It's not important for me to go. But I can remember getting up in the morning to go to my school and I kept him knock on the door because it was locked. I'd go to Susie's bedroom door and I'd open it and walk over to the bedroom over to the bed and stay and I'd Susie, it's time to get up and celebrate that you always do it. And I never asked her why. I just thought maybe she went to bed a little early last night, didn't dry her hair. I'm gonna have to get up one morning for the fourth row if, if for her and I'm gonna to have to go to the doctor. I'm not gonna get paid for being off and, and that's gonna make me know. But I never thought to ask her why I delicate to her. When I went into treatment, my little girl, who's 13, said across the room for me, and said mom, the reason I killed a place was always wet was because I cried myself to sleep over you every night. And I had been sober two years and I called it and when my little boy said, mom, the reason my bedroom door was always locked was because I cried myself to sleep over here every night. And I didn't hurt a story. I didn't hurt a story. I'd get up in the middle of the night to go get another drink, and I don't know when those started sleeping in the here in the living room. But the way the streetlight thrown across the front of our house, you could see me I'm sitting in the living room, and he'd be sitting in there in the sleepers' house crying. And I never stopped to ask him this. I just thought maybe he was having problems with somebody at work, and he'd have to take care of that, and I'd go get another drink, and I'd go back to the and I didn't realize that he was sitting in his chair at night crying because he had a drinking life. I met Bo, and he played ball. He was a fast, quick softball pitcher. And until we came to Alhali's nine, and he had a 28-year career, a fast, quick softball pitcher. I got a half-filled really trophy because the little boy and the little girl come along and they play ball just like their daddy. is a catcher and Mike's left field. And there were a number of years when I spent the good part of my week at ball games. In fact, I'd lift the lid of my washing machine and would say, ball uniform, ball uniform. <laughs> I watched so many. And, uh, I'd go to one ball game and Stephen was playing and then the was over and we'd go watch Freddy play. Or if they were not playing at night, we would all go watch mine. play. And one girl at the concession stand one night said, you are the luckiest thing in the world. And I said, Thank you. And I didn't know what she meant. I thought she meant that all members of my family played God. And then another nice and episode family said, he said, I'd give anything in the world for all these my and her. And she was working in the conception and I said, What do you mean by that? And she said, Well, you know where your husband is tonight and what I doing. You have two kids and you know where they are tonight and you know what they're doing. I never thought I had anything to do with me. I woke up one morning and no, I didn't. I came to one morning and I looked in the mirror in the bathroom and you know what I saw? I saw the natural glow that my daddy had on April 30th, 1964. I had the red eyes that my daddy walked through that little bookshelf with. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, but I'm not as bad as my daddy. You see, before I knew though, I made a deal with God that if He would ever let me have kids, I would never find them. Because my daddy would fight me with a belt in the belt. And I said, as long as I don't get like my daddy, I'll be
1: okay.
0: And I'd like to tell you right here today that I have never laid a hand on you and my goodness? I thank God for that. I know there have been times when I was so drunk, I thought probably could have killed me. And I know that God was watching over me today. So, uh, I looked in this mirror one morning, and, and the thought came to me, You know, sir, I don't remember the last time Stacey's so was man mentioned that I lived in
1: school.
0: And I looked back in this mirror and said, You know, I don't remember the last time I said, Mom, you smell so good. And I said, To think of it now, I can't remember the last time Jesus gave me a compliment for taking my sixth birthday to dinner. The little voice came back and said, Charlie, when was the last time you took your arms around daddy and told him that you loved him? Charlie, when was the last time you took your arms around my and told him that you smelled so, good? Charlie, when was the last time you brushed Susie's hair, which was down below her waist at this time, dried? Instead of having her go across the street to buy him, she had it brushed every minute. Her. I didn't want dinner. I did not want dinner. Everybody and who in Houston and Destiny knew that they think their wives are drunk. But don't call me anything. Don't call me anything. alcohol put a little weight on me. And, and another morning I came to and I looked in here and I weighed 200 pounds and and I didn't sleep and I didn't eat. And I can remember mornings so of the alarm clock going off and you asked them, well, are we getting up or are we going to bed? That's not living. That's not the Great American Dream. We had all the greats filled in our house. And we were four individuals living four separate lives, going our own way, When we hit the front door. And when we hit the front door, we straightened up, and we put a smile on, and we said to the world, we're fine. We didn't have our kids to not have company at our house because I didn't want my kids to know that we weren't living in the Great American Dream. I didn't let my kids go to other people's houses because I didn't want them to see what the great American doing was like. I'm not proud of all the things that my alcoholism caused me to do in my family. They feel sorry though that i But I know, I know that I'm making a conscious effort to put kids in another home. The last thing that my mom said to me on the phone when I was drunk. Because my three kids, though, they really thought And my and kids deserve a better mother than, than what they've got. And if I had to count on you for anything, then I'd just be not counting. And I lost uh, My family went to a ball game in July of 82. And my son was fifth in at the time, and he was about a half of a head taller than me. And as they started out the front door, my son looked at me and he said, Hey, Mom. When we get home tonight, will you be passed out on the floor? Or will you be passed out in bed? And he didn't wait for answer. So he just turned around for the first time in his life, I went to slap his team. How dare when you look at your mother and say something like that? You can't show a little respect to me, then, God said, Yeah. But you know, we didn't wait for that. He just turned around and we went out and got in the car. And as I went over to the front door to close it, the telephone number came on the T V and I believe the T V was off. And uh this number just came across the screen and I died. it. It was after hours to so, the food number was ringing down the nursing station at a treatment center. And let me say this, I never made it without a treatment center. I would have not made it without a treatment center. Two of my sponsors never had those treatment center. They didn't have treatment centers in you know. them. You know, and there are girls that come in now that, that don't have insurance or any, facility, any way to go to a treatment center. And and that's not a re- uh, requirement for being a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. But I'm grateful that I was able to go to a treatment center. I was in such a fog and had been a for so long. I had my days and nights. And stuff. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I had to have somebody shine a flashlight in my face and tell me whether it's time to go to bed, get up, and eat, or walk. And I think I lost my mind if I just had to do this at home. Um, I'm grateful for my treatment center. Uh, but when they came back in that night from the ball game, I told them I called. And of course Mike walked in and he said, Oh, you're up, Mom. And he was nervous. And he was nervous when he made that statement when he walked out the door. Um Sissy walked by and she said, Mom, you're up and I said, Sissy, I'll call the treatment center he said, yes, ma'am, and Bo walked by, and I said, Bo, I've called the treatment center, and he said, I've got to have some help, and he said, sorry, this is number 1,382. What this? And he took a shower and said, and the next day, well, this is the summer, and the kids are out of school, and the next day, we get up, and as usual, he goes to work, I go to work, and about 10 o'clock, the phone rings on my desk, the next day, and he's crying, and he said, you really did call treatment center, and said, I've got to have some help. I said, we are not living the great American thing. See, I haven't talked to him on the phone since Valentine's Day. And I don't know if any other gal has ever done this. And if I can keep one from ever doing it again. My family sent me three longs and roses for Valentine. Everybody up in the office had a dozen. And I called my husband and I said, if you can't send a dozen, Thank now my husband tells me that if i stay sober for the next few life, i'll have a dozen
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh well i wouldn't give have one for my okay. well they loaded me up and they put me to the treatment center and they said 28 days and i stayed 38 days they took the college for the first 10 days they said I should be in the Guinness World Book of Records for coming up with the most forms of denial that any woman could ever come up with. You know, I said to them, I sleep in the same building with my husband sometimes. <laughs> I work every day. Uh, my kids go to school. We have birthdays. You know, everything I could think of. And uh, finally on the 10th day when it dawned on me that, that I'm I'm an alcoholic, they're not I my treatment. So they had something there called hell week. They normally they put in the bulletin or the brochure of family, but it's not. It's hell week.
1: <laughs>
0: and uh, and my two kids came because they were old enough and um uh, and I'm like Susie. She doesn't remember any part of that week except one session and that's the only part I remember, but the counselor went over to Susan and said, Hey sis, what would you like to do with your mom? She said, Well, I don't want another mother, I just want to be somebody's little girl. I'm tired of fucking on my mother's mind. I'm tired of letting me do something. I'm tired of walking with me. I want to be somebody's little girl. And why do my God up here? And the pastor went to Miles and said, Miles, what do you want to do with you, man? He said, I don't want to do with you, man. He said, I don't want to do with you. That was mine. And then the I found went to Bell and said, What are you gonna do with Sorry? And he said, I don't know, but we dated five years and we're eighteen and a half years and marriage. But I ain't gonna I'm gonna make it to to nineteen. And I got my attention. You can do anything in the world with me, but don't take anything. You know, don't talk about the one young man I've ever had in my life that I promise to love and and to care for death to his past. And uh so I stayed a little while longer after Hell Week and they let me come home on Labor Day weekend and my introduction to Alcoholics Anonymous I don't think could be any better than the one I had. Uh, we had a uh, suburban uh, full of AA members from the Bessemer Group who met us at the clubhouse and took us to an anniversary and took the leaf out on us. And uh, I walked in and said this. And these women came out and put a bag on in. And they were hugging the and kissing and the women smell so good and I had on some earrings and, and you how know, I like that. This program was based on attraction rather than promotion. And this one lady came up to me and she said, sir, you keep coming back. It gets better. And I thought, yeah, the first time I did one of your meetings and i showed you what I've done to my kids and my family, she's going to say, there's the goal, young lady. We don't need anybody like me. Lady well, we came up to me and she said, Honey, you don't ever have to be alone again. And I wanted to look at her and say, Kitty, you know what running is. There's no way you could know about running is. You're in this range of people, husband and sister. And my two kids went with us and my son thought all the allopin's running and I would live on. He said, Mom, look at all the little and my daughter didn't think there was another woman A.A. But like everybody that she met, all we remember was a man that had the little badge on him. And of course we had dinner and, and an almond speaker and dinner and an A.A. speaker and we got ready and just as they opened the program, I looked up on the platform and there was a woman sitting up there that was on the And all the way down to the converse, I said, please God, I, I need to hear a woman. I need to hear how women woman is telling something. And I'd sit it out loud, and this lady who was to be my temporary sponsor, and I didn't want her to, but she adopted me, She said, you better watch for so playfuls, really. And sometimes did it. And so when, when Marty got up there, she said, my name's Marty, and I'm an alcoholic. And since so said, my God, there's two of them in the world, her and my mother. <laughs> uh, Marty's a good friend of mine today, She lives some humps for them. And this program has brought a lot of uh women into my life that I consider my sisters in this program and all you guys are my brothers and you know thank God for our holy phenomenon. We went home that night for the anniversary. And my sister and Syir thing in here at this window and, and I've been in treatment for thirty eight days and of course they you know, have tropes and socket chip cookies and stuff like that in treatment. We got a gallon of milk and a package of sockets of cookies and we sat down in the living room in our house, in our home. And we talked about was health and we were we inside. And we asked these kids that I was for four weeks. I don't know why, but I just believe that, that you should have told the kids to go, you should introduce them or ask them to go. And we looked like they're going to ask them, I'm alcoholic going out the heart, they I mean, need. You know, when, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. And unless these kids get out of for four weeks, And that's going to have a dime in team, And they went for four weeks. And at in the four hours where we told you about teachers, how she fell in love with it, and she found her place. And, and she did go back while she was in college. And she was a sponsor for her hour for three years. While she was in college, she goes home and she's in the house, filled a to one day, responsive to allergy groups that she grew in. And when she got her job working at night shift. She came to me the bed and she said, I don't want to take this job because I have to give up everything." An and she said, But maybe it's time for somebody else to take over, This is it for you. My came over he said to me, and he said, I don't think it's for me. He said, Mom, I'll support you. I'll go to all them meetings where you just take your here. And anytime you and Dad go to the beach, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> and and it would be a bit, but Mom had a problem. So any number of afternoons and things he he would say this was coming my way you'll be at me for a years, i have a problem. He had all the hours and he didn't go to a lot of meetings. I feel this way. When you live in a house with a doctorate alcoholics in New York Texas. When we live in a home where the children are captured. And all and that little fella rubbed off from where and was already in the sister. And I had a problem. Well, Pussy had started talking about college and kind drank it up. But we started applying for her to go home. When I got sober, my son had just went junior high. One year of junior high, the year I got sober, and had a hard time with that. I still have a whole time with it today. I took away one in his life. But he had to repeat this year, and he never heard any bad things about it. You know, in the morning, he'd say, Mom, don't worry about it. I'm going to go back and do it. No problem. And a couple of afternoons, he'd come in, he'd say, you know, I wouldn't have met if I'd gone on up another grade. I wouldn't have met so-and-so if I had gone on up another grade. And the only thing different was he'd one year what he's on your letter than he should have. And we had a little party and he was a little nervous and excited and, and we had about fifty people in the house and, and all his little buddies would come by and he would tell them, he if they can do it, he'd have to leave it outside steps. And at one point I went by the front door and there were like four times of do it, uh, on the front step. He said, We don't allow alcohol in our home and they left it outside. But but he got a little nervous and he said, Mine can't talk to and I, was thinking, I thought he's gonna hit me up for a run and uh, I had grown to love these one-on-one talks with these young people in my life. So he went into the bedroom and he closed the door. Mom, I'm going to tell you. Now let me tell you about the time you see the back the He looked at me and he said, First of oh, all, Mom, I want to thank you for being sober. Now let me tell you, if you've never been thanked by one of your kids for being sober, you've missed it. He tells me that every day. She still tells me that every day. But my old boy looked at me and he said, oh, "Mom, I'm so proud you said this," and I hold the promise he said, and then he said, no, "I've been to Mom for a long time." It's been this old it's been to he said, "This was last while I was coming there." He said, "It didn't take that long, not much." He said, "I know that you have blame yourself for this, your fault." And he said, "Mom, you didn't have it." But he said, "A long way." He said, "I just don't know if I can live." He said, i "Ask." Not myself, not and he said, in about an hour, I'm going to go up to that, i are going to call my name, and I'm going to get my appointment. He said, that I'm going to slaughter on you dad for two
1: weeks.
0: He said, when I get back, he said, I have a full-time job, just that new little car, sitting on in the driveway, and if I had graduated last year, I might not have all these things. So right now, when I go pick up that diploma, there's not ever to be anything ever said, so even about the year I went. Is that clear? And I was pretty so worried. I started to get up, and he said, no, wait a minute. And I said three times. And I remember looking at him and he said, it just don't get any better than this. <laughs> and he looked at me, and he said, "Mom, no, know, how many of these girls I day? And he said, always, be how many That's what I call it to me, I had the lady that, that took me over when I came in I house nice and i with missing. And when we started working on the steps, she said, We're going to skip these things and make a man see your kids. Take your kids in the book. And I said, But that's not the way they're in the book. She said, Sorry, we're going to make a man for your mom. And we're going to make a man for your kids. And I said, Why? She said, Because the time is here. It's now, And we're going to make these And I started making a man. I was blind and I was thinking that sober that my mom had to do something I was only died of at the age of 60. And my mom was eventually going to kill you I didn't know that I was going to leave my mom when she was 60, One month away from my five years in my of now. Before my mom died, I died because my mom looked at me and said, so as was my three kids, since I came back to be the best. And my confuses could not have a better mother. if they felt the whole world. And so, so I have these to deal with the biases. You are the only one that I can live to the kingdom. My mom, made him niece and niece, could talk about the whole family. She wanted to give me my five-year-old and she got burnt out. excited. She could go out your Duke if I can give you your five-year-old she had dialysis on Monday and Friday, and she said, "Can we do it?" You know, all my teeth are into a therapy. I said, "We'll work, we will work around it." And uh, I would report report to her that my group said it would be fine if she gave me my And We had all coming. And my mom had a date with died, and she just couldn't really wait around. My mom died one month before my father and my husband. And my daughter stepped up on this podium that night and she said, I'm feeling in for a little lady who had a date with God. And I went to get my mom to see like, oh, And I got to come down to see and I went there I said, no, no, I and said, Mom, I want to make a deal with you. You're five And I'm clean. Now do you want to speed up this little bit? Or <laughs> do you want me to throw up? And I remember looking at him and saying, Mom, I have to do that just a little bit. My son looked at me and he said, Mom, if anything should ever happen to you, they just have to do it and when I I look at him and he said, Mom, don't say anything like that until you see. My daughter finished to face your college and mom leaves you back home. she wanted to check out all the girls on her own floor. And
1: she
0: uh, just been so many buddies but I got buddies to pick up for her. We will move her back home. Don't you and dad worry about it. And uh, I made a remark about it. And he said, Mom, in that big book about cult mama of yours, there is a trend. Be willing to go to anyone to get it. Tell <laughs> so I me mean, my son didn't have a problem. But uh, we moved it back home. It was Mother's Day weekend, May of 88. I moved back home every June, Saturday and Sunday, and my teacher and I went to my regular teacher meeting, auntie, and I left me with the meeting. And when I got home that night, my life was totally changed forever. She was home from college, and I was home from work, and at was passed that night. Though we could do now, had opened the front doors of our home to free the leak, and he told us that my would be killed instantly by a drunk brother. And I finished, told us, I was sick. I had a cold in my hands, baby. I had walked these steps to the very depth of my body. I had made those men to my mom and she had died. And now i was always And the only thing I could think of was God why me. Why me! Why the drunk driver? Why couldn't it be a one-car accident? Thank God he wasn't on his motorcycle. I don't remember 72 hours to happen. It's just that the girls at girl came over to my home. We shipped for three hours. And they didn't know why they were there. But my sponsor was called. And three other people in the car and said, this is when you go to children. You have three hours to go. and sell I'd lay down for a minute, and I'd wake back up, and I'd say, well, what do you mean me?" and she'd say, I don't know, This is not the it you And I would go outside, and I would sit on my motorcycle, and I would put the helmet, on over my head, and I'd look at him and say, I think. you to take it. And I would say, my I'd be sober, let him, you can't take it. And I would never <laughs> stand <understand> this <before. laughs> But there'd be some times, in my sobriety and have been on my way. And that's totally just, I have not ever wanted to take a drink. But I'd sit there and that motorcycle and I would say, God, I'm not going to make it. And a girl would go up at the front door or come around the backyard or come through the day. I was one at the cemetery and my little girl came up to me and she said, I used to lay awake in bed at night, mom, and he was drunk and I'd say, let her die in a place, God. She's not worth it. Or let her get my money for my people. Let her climb and go get a bottle of wine, God. If it is to live. I will go over to me and keep "Mom, mind from here to save you, will Make it. You hear me? When I just keep you? I don't know what to do. It's just a real thing. We, yeah, make it. I have a little niece. My brother's oldest girl. She came up to me at Mr. Junior and she pregnant. Her due date was August eleventh. And I have I just love Tim dad. I love all of the kids, but Tim is just the oldest and, and there's a lot of things there and uh, came up to me and she said, Girl, I'm gonna have this baby. It's due August eleventh, but I'm not gonna have it eleventh. I'm gonna have it August the fifteenth, your birthday. And it's not going to be a little girl, it's going to be a little boy. And I remember looking at him, and I said, honey, you just have that little baby whenever. over. You know, I'm that time with me. And on Monday, August the 15th in my birthday, at 6.30 that morning, going down home, my brother called, crying, and he said, my first grandson, born on my sister's birthday. And I just went to excited, and he said, "I have one request, from Sam." I said, "What is it?" He said, "You're to come up here just as quickly as you can, because you will be the first one to hold him." Now let me see about Justin. He is the fun time of my life. He has so much in smile, and he is blonde headed and blue out and he'll come in here, thanks, Jordan. What's going to bring me when you come up here and I said anything mm-hmm, you want. <laughs> God gave me that little fella. Because I needed somebody to love in my life. I got a little, i um, been out of state about two weeks after my dad. and uh, I heard Bo in the kitchen saying, I'm not coming to work today, I've got to do something early. You know, we have our robes that we wear that stop got the booze on the front of it, and and that's the first thing I got rid of, and here I am, and there's no robes on it, nothing but tears on the front of it. And and we came back in the living room, and I said, Why aren't you going to work? He said, I'm going to do something with you, and I said, This is ugly, as I could to be. And I said, It won't do any good. And he said, Well, you can either go like that, you can put on some clothes, and he put it over to my sponsors, and I said, It won't do any good, and uh, so he put me over there, and, and when I got out of the van, he said, do You want to drink, girl? And I looked at her and I said, No, ma'am, I don't want really to drink. She said, You're going to be okay. And I said, Then I God do this to you. God We never had to go get him out of here. We never had to go clean up something that he had done. And I said, hey, there's girls in this program. These still has not made amends to these kids. I know one girl who never remembers her kids with kid, a birthday of and I said, oh, well, I said all that was mine. She said, Well, now come on in here to my kitchen, just as soon as we get too coffee, you can call about it can pick you up and then I expect you to be at the meeting tonight and I said, Is it gonna be on me? <laughs> I'll burn by now. I've seen it happen at that group and uh so we went to her kitchen and she had the big book of alcoholic alarms and she had the coffee pot and she had the big legal pad and and down the pad she had made a line and on one side of the pad she put things I'm grateful for and on the other side she put things i not grateful for. And she handed me the pen and she said, now it's ask you And you did not answer. You would call a day and go home and take a shower you to eat. You had the rest, and you would be at the meeting my as well. Right? And I gather about to say, what is the first question? And she so said, Well, the first question is this, though. And I might die with the answer. And she said, No, 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 She said, You put that on the call and finish this question. Right? He said, me on the seat, to The night might die with the evening rose. And I said, do you ever ask You know, now, it's a drinking And she said, put that up on the bed now. She now you need to think this seriously, before you went to this one, because you got to live with yourself for the rest of your life. The night might die with his mother, drinking And I she you will be okay. You'll never be fine again. She said, you're going to have to take the money to spend one of her fears to yourself. Be and you're going to have to live and live. She said, you're going to help a lot of people and I told you. All the money I came keep the keep you up and fear you." And I said, what if I would only be cured? And she said, that's not is to And that's what my did to him. They have seen me so many things. I had walked in the door crying and heard it died and pressing and then someone that someone would come over and say, Charlie, come on now, we're going to have this meeting and we're going to kiss you. And I didn't take that to the lips, but and you know, I can see it now. And you know, before I left Katie's house, I looked at her and I said, you know, there's no way you can know the pain that I'm going through. She took away the and I said, you know, the head here. was Look at me and say something about time and, then, and the God me the of the spirit of all things. I was to do that. was do I was never to one, I, see someone, or me. I don't know to I do that. know was never able to do you I I I just wanted to give um, I first thought that Christmas would be the record. <laughs> no, Christmas be um, be um, is not the record. Or the July, Labor Day, Columbus Day, Christmas Day, my birthday. Mother's Day. It's been one of those days we've the only thing that keeps me going the telling that 27 years ago, God up in heaven he said, you know, i got this little boy and this little girl, and I need to be a full he looked down and he saw Bowling Ford and he was going to live this the first time. He said, you know, I'm going to give my excuse to Bowling Ford. Now they're going to have a problem with alcoholism. They're going to seem to live They're going to continue on living the great American dream." And the only thing you think to do all this long time I've had because you let me do my hands. Now that's can, You know, I, the girls in this program have literally picked me up and, said, and they'll call me, I'll tell them. I found a meetings, and I've walked out, and I've looked at them, and I said, you don't know how I'm hurt. But yet there's something in their lives, this person just to I thank God for the miracles in this curtain. I thank God that somebody took the time to tell me to keep coming back. I thank God that every lady says Charlie, you don't ever have to be alone again. And I haven't lived been alone. life. It's through the doors that I can put three hearts in my life. I think I'm a really slow Little lady, i The first house is in
1: person.
0: My best friend, my lover, and she's in my brother. And you know, if you're not married to your best friend, I'd only die if you shouldn't be. i don't advise you to go out and find another one, but we've got so much invested in the one we have. <laughs> the second house is that little fella that lives up in heaven now. That's an angel named Lot. And, uh, just recently, Justin wanted to know about mine. He, he just all his the off and he's sitting on videos and he said, Who is that little boy?" And i guarantee you that little Justin will grow up knowing he not. The third hunk in my life is a young man who recorded a song that will sum up very simply in one verse. And I always pray for this. I want to that. What a difference you made in my life. What a difference you made in my life. You're my sunshine, day and night. Oh, what a difference you made in my life, and that's my AA. Thank you, and I love you.